What do you worry about? We all probably have something. Should we do an open mic time here? Everybody can come up and just tell us all the things that you worry about. I'd enjoy that. Uh, hearing all, I wouldn't enjoy saying mine, but uh, what keeps you up at night? Well, I know the answer for me. The answer to that question is kids sometimes keep me up at night. Uh, but what troubles your mind? Do you ever lay awake at night and just thoughts run through your mind and you just can't fall asleep because you're worrying about something? Are there things of this world? or relationships with people, or things that you have to do that you worry about. You know, it's human nature to worry, and we probably all do it, so rest assured, I'm not going to speak down at you today about worry, because I'm, I'm really speaking to myself as I say these things. But as we're going to see in our passage today, we are commanded not to worry. I've often said, I think that this is one of the most difficult commands in the Bible. Don't worry, okay? Got it? It's a hard one. Now, it's interesting. We're, we're going through this sermon series here where we're looking through Matthew chapters 1 through 7, and we're in chapter 6 now. In the last passage we looked at, Jesus talked about the things of this earth, and he said we are not to treasure the things of this earth. We are to treasure God and his things. So one way that we could get off course is by treasuring the things of this earth, but now in this passage, which is a related passage, he says we are not to worry about the things of this earth. There's two ways there in which we could go wrong. We could either treasure the things of this earth, put too much stock in them, or we could worry about the things of this earth, pretending that too much of it is in our hands. And I'm guessing that every one of us struggles with one or both of those things. So we need to hear from Jesus and listen to what he tells us. And again, it's, it's difficult. This command, do not worry, is a difficult command. And we all probably have something. Now again, another list here, money family, illness, your to-do list, your favorite sports team. Was anybody here worrying about who the Vikings were going to draft on Thursday? Yes? Okay, okay. Wasn't crazy with their first pick, but their second one I thought was pretty good. There are tons and tons of things that we could worry about but we're commanded not to worry. Three times in this passage, and actually there's at least two other places in the Bible that say the same thing. Do not worry. We're not supposed to worry. So what I want to do today is I want to take a look at our passage, Matthew 6, 25 through 34, and I want to explain to you what worry is, and I want to explain what Jesus says about how we can combat worry in our lives. So let's read the passage now. Matthew 6, starting in verse 25 again. This is Jesus preaching in the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. 
Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Okay, following last week's pattern, I'm going to do a similar thing. Before I tell you what this passage means, I'm going to tell you three things that this passage doesn't mean. And I'm taking my lead here again from the same guy last week, a pastor theologian named John Stott. Three things this passage doesn't mean. One, this passage is not a license to be lazy. Okay, it would be wrong for us to say, hey, God's going to provide, I'll just do nothing then and watch him provide. No, that, that's not the case. God will provide, but we have to do our part too. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says, If a man will not work, he shall not eat. So God's going to provide, but we have to do our part too. Second, this doesn't mean that we should withhold food from others. It would also be wrong for us to say, well, if God's going to provide for them, then I don't have to. That would be all too convenient for us to look at the poor and say, no, no, God's going to take care of them. Maybe the way that God wants to take care of the poor is by blessing you so that you can help them. And then the third thing, and I think this is an important one for us to hear, this passage is not a promise that we will avoid trouble. There is a huge difference between worry and trouble. And and this passage does not say, hey, you don't have to worry because there will never be any trouble for you. No, that is not what it's saying. The, The problem is, is that all too often in our lives there is a link between worry and trouble. When trouble comes, we worry. But I think what Jesus is telling us here is even though trouble will come, we don't have to worry. Okay. Three things that this passage doesn't mean. Clear those things up, right? Now let's move on. What does this passage mean? I want to walk through it. And as I walk through it, I'm going to reread each verse. So starting off with verse 25 again. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? So this passage starts off with a therefore, meaning we should ask the question, what's it therefore? You all got that? Okay, when you see the word therefore, that's what you do. And what we learn from this therefore is that this passage is connected at least to the one before it, the passage where we looked at not storing up treasures on earth, but storing up treasures in heaven. And the reason is, is because we can only have one master, and and our heart follows our treasure, so we should be storing up treasures in heaven for our master there, hoping that our hearts will will follow our treasure and be focused on God. There's a cool connection here. So as we're focusing on God, as as we're serving him as our master, what he tells us then is that we don't have to worry. Because if he's our master, he's the one who's in control. And he is taking care of us. So it's a difficult command when he says don't worry, But one of the great reasons that we can follow this command is because God's taking care of things. And we don't have to worry. And actually what I would say is that we are sinning against God when we worry. Now I know in our minds we might justify it. We say, oh no, no, it's not that I'm worrying, it's just that I'm taking a lot of concern about these sorts of things. And I have to because I have to be a responsible person. Well, yes, it's good to be responsible. It's good to make plans and things like that, but worry, no. God is in control, and worry is actually disobedience to our master who is in control. Okay, so what is worry? Well, worry is simply the anxieties of life, of the things of life. Uh, The word for worry here is the same word used in the passage of Mary and Martha. Remember that time when Jesus came to visit Mary and Martha? 
And Martha was like, oh no, Jesus is coming, we got to get the house ready, all these things to do, all this food to make. And she was in her kitchen, and she was worrying. And when Jesus showed up, Mary went out and sat at Jesus' feet, and that really bothered Martha. She's like, she went out to Jesus, hey Jesus, tell her there's a ton of stuff that needs to be done. Tell her to quit being so lazy. And what did Jesus say? Mary has chosen what is better. Martha chose to worry. Mary chose what was better. She chose to be with Jesus. So I tell that story because it's a helpful reminder to me that we can catch ourselves in a Martha moment and be like, oh no, there are so many things that have to go on. When really what we need to do is just trust our master and, and ask him what he would have us do in that situation. And again, of course, there are things that have to be taken care of in our lives. I, I told you already, this passage doesn't mean that we should just be lazy. But we must not worry in the midst of our taking care of things. We're told in verse 25 not to worry about our life. Now, I would say that life is a pretty all-inclusive word. Would anybody want to disagree with me? Is there anything in your life that's not in your life? Well, no, of course not. So don't worry even about your life. And that even includes death. Death would be one thing that a lot of people would worry about, but, but we don't have to worry about it. If we've given our heart to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, then we know that God will take care of us even in death. We don't have to worry. See, we're not just physical bodies. I think that's one of the reasons that Jesus told us not to worry about food or drink or clothes. That's why Jesus said, is not life more important than these things? And there's an easy answer. Yes, yes, there is something more important than those things. Now again, we don't overlook the troubles of this world. And again, if there's a distinction between worry and trouble, we don't overlook the troubles of this world. But even in trouble, we don't worry because our master is in control. And, and Jesus is a great example for us in this. Jesus faced all kinds of troubles in his day. And, and I like to think about it from this perspective. According to Colossians 1, Jesus is the creator of the universe. So not only did Jesus Christ have a body, Jesus Christ created bodies. He knows everything that there is to know about a human body. And he faced all kinds of trouble, even in his body. Yet what did he do in trouble? He went to his Father in prayer. And I think 1 Peter 5, 7 is helpful in this topic then. It says, cast all your anxiety on him, on God, because he cares for you. Cast all your anxiety, all your worries, the same word, on God, because he cares for you. I want you to know that in the midst of your trouble, God cares about what's going on. Maybe that's one of the reasons we worry is because we forget that God cares. But I want you to know, whatever it is that you are going through, God cares and wants you to come to him in faith. We're going to go through stress and trouble and difficulty in life. But all too often we make that jump from trouble to worry. And I think that's what Jesus is telling us here that we do not have to do. Do not worry. We have another option. We can trust God. Okay, verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? So we're told to look at the birds. If you look at the birds, you'll notice something about them. They're not farmers. 
The, the stuff that they eat, they didn't plant that. They didn't reap it. They don't have storehouses of grain somewhere off behind their nest. No, God provides their food. And it's not just that birds are, are lazy freeloaders. Again, if you were to look at birds, what you would notice about them is that they are industrious. They go get their food, yet it is food that God has provided for them. I think it's a wonderful lesson. So I would actually encourage you to do what Jesus... There's a command in this passage. It's one that I've overlooked, but I'm going to do it now. Look at the birds. It's, isn't that... It, it's a command. Consider. Look at the birds. Maybe you want to do that later on today. Just sit outside and watch the birds as they do their thing. Notice how your Heavenly Father feeds them. They have food because God provides it. So one theologian has said that we should look to birds as our preachers. Okay. And we all want more preachers in our life, right? That's what I've heard, is that everybody wants more sermons, longer sermons. Sermons on Tuesdays, right? Um, no, so I, I've actually invited a guest preacher here today. If you all just listen real closely, okay? Everybody get your listening ears out. Where's that coming? That's one of my hidden talents in life. Maybe my only hidden talent in life. I can make bird noises without making it look like I'm making bird noises. So, yeah. Comes in handy at parties sometimes. Um, Tricked my sisters-in-law one. It's really fun. But, uh. Okay, so I want to translate now that guest preacher. Here's what, so if you go out and you, you hear a bird singing, here's what they're saying to you. Hey, humans, don't you get it? God provides. Watch me. I'm going to go get some food that I didn't plant because my Heavenly Father provided it and He will take care of you as well. That's what the birds are saying to us. Now, in fairness, I have a few things I'd like to say to the birds, too. Like, you really have to use my swing set for your bathroom and, you know, there's other things we could say to them. But they have a message for us that, that we should listen to their message. God provides. He'll take care of us. So really, go, go look at the birds. Follow that command of Jesus. Look at them and see what they have to say to us. And remember that God will provide. And remember that Jesus says, are you not much more valuable than they? Yes, we are. God is watching over us. We can cast all our worries on him because he cares for us. Okay, verse 27. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Or you could translate this, who of you by worrying can add a single cubit to his height? Here's one of the ironic things about worry. It doesn't help. Have you ever heard this statistic? I think it's a made-up statistic, but it's a good one, and it seems right to me. 90% of the things we worry about don't happen anyways. And I would add this. The other 10% of those things, worry doesn't help anyways. So we are wasting our time by worrying. It, it does no good. And again, don't, don't misunderstand. Planning is good making effort to take care of things, those are good, but worry does no good. You can't even add one hour to your life. And actually, I would suggest that worry can shorten your life instead of lengthening it. And, and I would say that not only can worry take away from the quantity of your life, I think that worry takes away from the quality of your life. So worry isn't helpful it makes your life worse. We can't make our life better by it. I think we're making a pretty good case so far to say that, hey, we should really not worry. 
Go on, verses 28 to 29. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Now, I don't worry too much about clothes. Some of you might be thinking that maybe I should spend a little more time thinking about my clothes, but uh, I realized long ago that I don't have much fashion sense. And uh, just a little comic relief here. A um, little tip for you guys out there. Um, get everything in your wardrobe approved by a woman. Now, here, here's how this can work. If you're a single guy, grab a couple of your friends. This actually happened to me. Well, actually, I was kind of abducted by a couple of my friends. They made me answer the question, how much money have you spent on clothes? And I thought back over the previous year, well, I remember I bought some socks. That was about $6. <laughs> that was about it. They said, okay, give us a number. So I said, okay, $100. I said, okay, fine. We're going, we're going to spend money on you. We're going to buy clothes for you. So they took me out shopping, and they bought things that looked good. These shoes are, are some of the things that they, they helped me buy. And, but I was glad. that okay, I can wear that, and I know that some people like it. But even better for you married men, have your wives do this for you. Everything in your closet, just, yep, I like that, I like that. And then you know, you put it on, she likes it. Now, I haven't done that with everything in my closet. Like Christine probably says, Timberwolf shirt again, do we really need to wear that one that often? But, uh, so, I am probably not the guy to talk about fashion but I don't think that this, this passage here is just about fashion, although I do think that part of this is about fashion. I think that there are some people out there who spend way too much time and effort and money thinking about fashion and worrying about fashion. Now, it's not wrong to be fashionable, but worrying about fashion would be. But I think there's another part of this as well that I think it's, it has to do with provision again, that some people worry about having enough clothing to be provided for. And again, who do we look to for that? We look to our Father who takes care of us. And it's interesting. Look at King Solomon. Um, I, I believe that King Solomon is who the book of Ecclesiastes is about. So you read this book in the Old Testament about this guy who had all this money and he went to great efforts, went, you know, went to great distances to try to find earthly pleasures. And, and what he found was that none of it satisfied so King Solomon, with all of his money, all of his wisdom, tried to get himself the best kind of clothes that he could, and the end result is he couldn't even clothe himself like a flower of the field. And God's going to take care of us. Okay, Let's trust in him and not worry. And it leads right into verse 30. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And again, we often spend too much time worrying and thinking about the things of this world. But let me ask this question. Is God faithful to take care of us? Let's give two answers to that question. First answer, look at the history of the Bible. God has always taken care of his people. Now yes, there have been some times where his people went through difficulties and persecutions and maybe lacked some things. But God was always there always desiring to be with them, always wanting to provide for them. And then secondly, I would say, look at your life. Has God ever abandoned you? I think that God is very good at being God. He watches over and loves and protects us. So let's trust in him. He's in control. Let's not have too little faith, like Jesus said here in verse 30. 
Then verse 31, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Again, we're commanded not to worry. Now, what's interesting here, uh, food and drink and clothing, those are necessities in life. Those are things that we actually need to live. But what Jesus says here is do not worry about them. No need to worry. Instead, we are to trust God, and we're given two reasons for that in the next verse. Verse 32, For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So first, the pagans run after these things. The word pagan is just a word used to describe people who don't know God. So think about the people around you, or the people of this world who don't know God. What do they do? Well, they strive for more and more. And if they don't get something, they typically worry about it. And God says, look at them and and don't live like that. He warned us in the last passage, don't try to store up treasures on earth. And he tells us in this passage, don't worry about these things. We don't need to live like the pagans do. We can trust God. And then secondly, it says, your heavenly Father knows that you need them. One of the things I love about this passage, three times in here God is mentioned. One time he's just simply called God in verse 30. But then the other two times he is called our heavenly Father. He's called heavenly, which I think gives him that unique vantage point to to be able to see all of our life. And he's called our Father because he loves us and he protects us and he takes care of us. Now, some of you may not have had the best earthly father and I'm, I'm very sorry for that. Some of you may not have had a father who told you that he loved you or who took very good care of you. Uh, and again, I'm very sorry if that's the case. But some of you may, may have had some very good earthly fathers. Fathers who often told you that they loved you. Fathers who hugged you. Fathers who worked hard to provide for you. And whether you had a good earthly father or not, the fact is, that God is a very good Father to us. I love the book of Psalms. In the Psalms, we learn some wonderful things about God. We learn in the Psalms that God is our, our fortress. We can run to Him in trouble. He's an, ever help, an ever-present help in trouble. Uh, we learn that He's our provider, and we learn there that He's our Father. In Psalm 68.5, we see that God is a Father to the fatherless. So again, if there are any of you out there who had a a bum of an earthly father, please know that God is a father to the fatherless. We're also told in Psalm 103, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. God cares about us. Earlier in chapter 6 in Matthew, Jesus taught us to pray to our father and that our father knows what we need before we ask him. Isn't that great? He's watching over us so well that he knows what we need even before we ask. And he loves us and wants to provide. So we don't have to worry because we have a heavenly Father who cares about us. Okay, let's skip ahead now to verse 34. Jesus says, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And once again, we're commanded not to worry. And again, this is one of five places, at least in the Bible, where we're commanded not to worry. Now, how many of our worries have to do with tomorrow or the future? I, I bet it's a lot of them. I bet it's a pretty high percentage of them that we're worried about things that are coming down the road. But Jesus here tells us not to worry about tomorrow. Instead, we are to meet the things of today by faith. 
the things of today. And you know what? I found that to be very refreshing. We're actually commanded not to worry about tomorrow. So if you find yourself worrying about it, you're, you're again, sinning against the Lord, and you can just stop. And you can have the peace in saying, oh yeah, I'll do the things that God has for me to do today, and I'll do them by faith, trusting that he provides. Remember the Lord's Prayer, give us today our daily bread. God's very good at that. Now what this means is that, you know, maybe you need to make a to-do list for your day. Because sometimes we get, you know, our minds just get cluttered and we think about all the things that we have to do. Well, maybe you just need to make a list, bring that list before God and say, God, would you help me to do these things today? And then you go and do them by faith. Like Jesus said, each day has enough trouble of its own. So don't worry, it just adds more trouble to trouble. If you already have trouble, why add worry to it? Okay, let's go back to verse 33 now, which I think is clearly one of the key passages, the key verses in this passage. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. In this passage overall, we're told about five things not to worry about. Don't worry about your life, what you eat, what you drink, what you wear. Don't worry about tomorrow. And we could come up with lots of other things that we worry about. I've listed some of them before. Family, relationships, money, illnesses, your to-do list, your sports team. Lots and lots of things that we could worry about. But here's my big idea for today. There are lots of things we could worry about. Instead, we should seek what God wants. There are lots of things we could worry about. Instead, we should seek what God wants. Very similar to last week. We're not to store up earthly treasure. We're to store up treasures in heaven by doing the things that God wants us to do. But here in our passage, I, I think we'd all agree that we all waste so much of our time and our effort on worry. Think about how many hours you have worried in your life and then remember that you can't even add one hour to your life by worrying. And, and worry doesn't help. Worry actually gets in the way of what God wants for us. It clouds our vision. There are other things that God wants us to do besides worry, and that's what Jesus tells us here. Don't worry. Instead, we are to seek first his kingdom and righteousness. Now, I used to be confused about that phrase, God's kingdom. Have any of you ever, like, just for years, wondered what something means, and all of a sudden somebody, all of a sudden somebody tells you something like, oh, yeah. I get it now. I had one of those moments a few years ago at a conference. There was a guy preaching about God's kingdom, and I actually raised my hand in the question and answer time, and my question was like, well, I, you know, I'm just not sure that I understand what kingdom means. And he said, oh, really? Well, it's simple. God's kingdom is the place where God is king. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I get it. That's what God's kingdom means. God is king, and we are to submit to him. And, and that actually reminds me of the gospel message then. We all came into this world, I think, assuming that we were the king or the queen of our own lives. Whether we would admit it, whether we would confess to it or not, and I, I think that even as Christians, sometimes we still try to pretend every once in a while that, yeah, I'm, I'm still the king of my life. But we were not created to be in control of our own lives. We were created to give our lives to God, to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord. Remember what the word Lord means? It means master. Remember what Jesus said right before this passage? No one can serve two masters. 
can only have one master. We are to give our lives to Jesus Christ as Lord and as King. And from there we are to follow him, saying, God, what is it that you want me to be about in your kingdom? That's why we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. We're giving our will to him and saying, I no longer want to be in control of my life. I give my life to you. That's what it means to know God as king and as master. Now, there are a whole lot of implications for that. That's why I keep getting up here Sunday after Sunday because there's there's a lot for us to learn in what it means for us to submit our lives to Jesus. It means obviously to receive him, but then to continue to live for him. And as we do that then, we, we explain to people what it means to come to know Jesus and we help them grow in their faith. And as we do that, we pursue righteousness. That's why Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and righteousness. It means that there is a holy life for us to live. In 1 Peter it says, be holy in all you do. So again, this seek first his kingdom and righteousness, that has a whole lot of implications to it. Yet that's what we are to do. Do not worry. Seek first his kingdom and righteousness. And if we live that life, here's one of the cool things. What does it say in verse 33? And all these things will be given to you as well. It's kind of ironic that the people who run and seek after them, they end up worrying. But for us who seek God and his righteousness, God provides the things that we need. Now, of course, uh, and I had this question, I asked the pastor this question this week, what about those people who are following God, but yet they don't have food? You could think about, you know, what about a Christian in a war-torn nation where their house was bombed and they had to flee? What about them? Or you look in the Bible, the example of the Apostle Paul, that he says that he went without food sometimes. How do we, how do we square that with verse 33? Well, I think, I, I, I don't think that verse 33 means that we will never ever lack anything. I think what it means is that we can trust in every circumstance that God is in control, that he's watching over us, and protecting us. I think there might also be a little glimmer of heaven in there because we know that as we look ahead to heaven, God will make everything new and we won't lack anything there. But even still, what I would want you to say is that verse 33 isn't just about heaven. I think there's a promise for today, for right now, that as we walk through our lives by faith, not worrying, and and as we trust in God, that he will take care of what we need. So we don't run after all those things like the pagans. We seek God, his kingdom and righteousness. So seek is a key word here. And seek is an active word, meaning that there is action that we need to do to seek God. It's an ongoing word, means that you don't just seek God and find him and then you say, I'm done. We keep on seeking him for the rest of our lives. And it's a command. So by obedience, by faith, we need to follow that command of seeking God. That means seeking to be a disciple of Jesus, seeking to make disciples that others might know Jesus. It means that we take on a mindset where we don't treasure the things of this earth, but we treasure God and his things. And if we trust God like that, worry is unnecessary because God's in control. So again, there are lots of things we could worry about Instead, we should seek what God wants. Then here's my conclusion. This passage is a command and an invitation. A command and an invitation. 
The command is do not worry. And since it's a command, like I've been saying, we need to trust God and walk by faith in the midst of it. It means that we should stop ourselves from worrying. When it says do not worry, what that basically means is, hey, if you're worrying, stop it. Okay, so there's my message for you today. Stop worrying. Now, the million dollar question then is, well, how do we do it? And I've got one tip for you along these lines. Catch yourself in the middle of it and stop. We all know when we're worrying, right? Maybe we don't recognize it right away. Maybe we kind of slip into it and we're not really aware of where we are. But eventually, we get to this place where we know that we're worrying, right? It's, it's not like a great mystery to us what we're doing. We're worrying. And what I just want to urge you to do is notice those signs in you when you start to worry. When your mind slips off of God and onto yourself and onto the things of this world and you worry... And then stop yourself. Go to God in prayer. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything. That's, do not worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Don't worry. Pray instead. And, and the very next verse in Philippians tells us that we can have a peace that passes understanding. So it really is that simple. Don't worry. Pray instead. And, and what I mean by simple is it, it's simple for me to say. It, the difficulty is living our lives. It, we need to retrain ourselves to catch ourselves in the midst of worry and to go to God instead in prayer. And that's a difficult thing, but it's one that's worth doing. And then, like I said, this passage is also an invitation. I have a friend, and he told me this week that I could tell this story. I've actually told this story before with his permission. He used to worry a lot. In fact, I went with him one time to the emergency room as he was having a panic attack. And he just worried about a lot of things. But then he said, I looked at this passage and Jesus says, don't worry. So I said, I can take God out of the word and he must have a different thing for me, a better life than the life of worry than I've been living. And he said it was like a light switch for him. Things just instantaneously changed as he took Jesus at his word and, said, and heard that, that Jesus had something better for him than worry. He said to me this week as I was talking to him, we don't need to be victims of anxiety. It's all too easy for us to think that we're victims. Oh, I'm just a worry award. I've always been that way. I'll probably always be that way. I just can't stop myself from worrying. That's who I am. That's what I... No. Worry is a choice that we make. And you know what? Worry is disobedience to God. And we're not victims of that. We're the perpetrators of that, actually. So we have a choice in the matter. We can seek the things of God instead of worrying. And, and it's funny, we think that worry will help us in life, but actually, worry leads us to a much darker place. So think of how much time you've wasted with worry. And let's put our focus somewhere else instead. Let's seek first God's kingdom. So one of the ways that we, that we flee from a life of worry is that we learn how to seek God the right way. So as a church, as we gather together, we worship God, we look to His Word, we pray, and we encourage each other to keep doing all these things. In your family life at home, set a model, an example for the rest of your family of saying, I'm not going to worry about this stuff. I'll take care of it, but I'm not going to worry about it. Parents, train your kids that, you know what, it's not the end of the world. Even if you you come home today and uh, lightning struck a tree and it fell on your house, you know what, that's trouble. And things like that will happen in our lives. 
but we don't have to worry about it. So set a good example of not worrying to those around you. And then at work or at school, yeah, there's lots of stuff to do, lots of things that could be stressful. But in the midst of those things, don't worry. Trust that God will give you the strength that you need to do it. In all we do, let's seek God's kingdom and righteousness. He will provide all we need. Let's trust him and not worry. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you that you provide for us so well that we need not worry. And I pray that we would obey your command here and that we would not worry, but instead that we would seek first your kingdom and righteousness. God, I pray that you would teach us how to stop ourselves in the midst of worry. I pray that you would strengthen us, give us us that wisdom, and that we would choose a better course, a course that honors you and trusts you. So again, God, thank you that you provide. I pray that we would worship you by trusting in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.